Kia ora, e me te Welcome, friends and family, to the Candid Kiwi podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and I am the Candid Kiwi. Kia ora and welcome to episode 30. In this episode, you will get to meet my mum, Susan Trenor. She tells us about her story from the ages of 0 to 12. When I first told my mum that I wanted her to come in and to tell her story, she was a little bit nervous and then she got excited. She started taking notes and she then she started rolling with it and she said, I'm going to do it in sections, Melissa, so I can get in the most of my story that I can and I just let her take over. I've never done an interview like this before because usually I'll interview someone and I'll talk to them first and get their story, then I'll hash out some questions I can ask them so they can flow and it go well. Whereas my mum was like, I got it all sorted, you just be there and listen. And I was like, all right, looks like my mum's got it sorted. And she sure does have it sorted. You should listen to her story. It's awesome. I think it goes without saying that I think my mum's pretty awesome. I think that her story needs to be heard. I think it's a good one. I think it explains a lot. And I learned so much. I didn't even know all of this stuff about my mum. I only knew maybe 5% of it next to nothing and so I'm really grateful for the opportunity I have to hear and record people's stories so that we can have this forever and I look forward to the other episodes that I have with her so I can find out more. My mum is a fantastic person, I'm completely biased but I think after you listen to her story you'll think she's pretty awesome too. Her childhood is a crack up, you wait until you hear these stories, it's crazy town man but back in the 50s, early 60s in New Zealand which just was a different life and you're going to hear about all of that. I'm excited for you to be able to hear from my mum and to be able to hear about her life and her stories and the things she has to share. It's crazy. It's crazy. So let's do this. Kia ora. Welcome to the Candid Kiwi. This is episode 30 and it's an awesome one because it's my mum. Welcome to the Candid Kiwi for the second time, mum. Thank you. And it's taken us uh, half an hour to get started. We wanted to meet half an hour ago. Actually, mum called me to meet early. We had good intentions, and it's taken us about 30 minutes, 32 minutes, to finally figure out how to get on Skype together and get this started. So that's a good start, right, mum? Yeah, technology is wonderful when it works, and it's a cow when it doesn't. (laughs) Right, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Now, when I asked mum to do this, she said, how does it work? And so I told her, and she basically said, listen, this is how I'm going to do it. You just be a warm body. I'm going to tell my stories. (laughs) So I've never had a guest tell me that before. Basically, sit back and relax. I've got this podcast sorted. How about you just chime in with your thoughts and I'm just going to go with it. That's my mum, everybody. She's got got it sorted, okay? Don't tell her what to do. She tells you what to do. (laughs) I'm not that tough, really, but I was surprised when you asked me to do a podcast because I thought to myself, hello, she's run out of guests. (laughs) So it's either nepotism or you're desperate to have me on. (laughs) So (laughs) because I thought to myself, well, some of the guests you have had have been so wonderful, you know, people who have saved other people or the underprivileged or fought in wars or what the what have you or climbed mountains or become millionaires and retired and what have you. But I don't see 
myself, Melissa, as having any of those traits, really. I'm just an ordinary person. And I don't know, I didn't know whether your listeners would be really keen on listening to an ordinary person. And I've never really felt that I've overcome any great tragedy, really, even though things have happened in my life. So, but I'm really excited and I'm old. And as a lot of old people feel that they've lived so much of life, Melissa, that they're kind of a library and nobody ever wants to borrow a book anymore because you're too boring (laughs) to borrow a book. But because I'm excited, I have to be careful. That's why I've kept it to under 12, because if you wanted to hear about my entire life, I could probably talk about that for a, a day or so. So I've kept it under 12. I'm sticking to the years before I went to high school, trying to keep it. I'll try and keep it to around about an hour. That's enough time for anyone who's listening to finish a puzzle or do some housework or finish their work or do something like that. And what I'm going to do, Melissa, what I decided I'd do is I'd just tell stories about my childhood the way I remember them. So they may be different if my sister's listening to this. It may be different to how she remembers it or anyone else remembers it. But we all remember things differently. So... I'm apologising to start with if if any of my siblings listen and say, well, I didn't think that's the way it was. Maybe it wasn't that way. No, I think that people are excited to listen to your story, Mum, and I think that people love you, and I do, and it wasn't out of desperation at all. I knew when I started (laughs) this, I knew when I started this podcast that I was going to capture your story and now is a good time. I've been doing it a little over a year and a half, and now's a good time to introduce my mum. I think people are going to love it. You have a lot of really good things to say, and even though you don't think you're as exceptional as these other people, I beg to differ. I think you've been through a lot. I think when people listen to your story, they're going to find it fascinating. I do, and I'm your daughter, and I've lived with you for you know, half my life. And I find your stories awesome. And I think that my listeners are just going to love it. So let's dive in deep and let's get started from the ages of zero to 12 and my mum's life. This is going to be awesome. Yes. I was thinking to myself, as you're saying that you've lived with me and you've survived. Good on you. (laughs) I'm who I am because of you and dad. You're a great person. And I've learned a lot of good things, how to be a strong woman, how to listen, how to keep my mouth shut, how to open it, when to open it. You know, you've just been, you're a good person. It's been, it's been really good being your daughter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess I guess that I am who I am and I think to myself as I tell some of my stories some of your listeners will say so that's where Melissa gets it from <laughs> oh now I understand how come she's like that oh because yes. her mother's just as whatever <laughs> yes yes I wish that uh I, I hope that everybody sees that after they listen to you for a second they can see where I get some of my traits from it'll be good <laughs> Oh, God. I was going to say, I was born in a small town. I lived in a small town. I'll probably die in a small town, and that's mm. where they'll bury me. So thanks mm. to John Mellencamp, one of the... <laughs> you know, I, although I was born in a small town in South, and I actually grew up on a farm for most mm. of my young life. I had two sisters, one born in March, 
me the following year in February and my younger sister the next year in February. And that's when my mother realised the doctor was lying to her and you can get pregnant when you're breastfeeding. <laughs> so... So she sorted that one out and my brothers all had reasonable gaps between them. And eventually there were seven of us, three mm. girls and four boys. And we all grew up on the farm. Mum, um, what kind of farm was it? What did you farm? Oh, we farmed sheep and crop. Okay, mm. so it was basically a sheep farm. Now, you probably don't have them in America, sheep farms, but in those days, sheep meat and wool and what have you was the type of farming we did. Most of it's dairy now, which mm. ruins the countryside mm. and, the, mm. and the streams and all that sort of stuff. But anyway. Hey, Mum, can you eat sheep meat raw like you can beef oh i wouldn't think so it sounds All disgusting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know a kid at the mountain biking camp asked me that last week and i'm like you know what i don't know because you can eat beef raw like beef jerky is just raw meat dried and they're like I'm what a... about sheep and i'm like gosh i don't know because you can't eat chicken raw or pork and so they're asking me can you eat sheep raw i'm like i don't know Oh, I'm assuming you could make it into jerky, but who would? I that sounds know. terrible because you've got all the different types of sheep. You've got lamb, then mm -hmm. you've got weather, and then you've got a hogget, and then you've got mutton, then you've got ewes, and you've got rams and what have you. You know, there's a whole, and they all taste different. Mm. But anyway, that's what we did. Anyway, so my older, I had an older sister, Margaret, and she was the pioneer and I was the middle sister and I was a bit soft and chilled and my younger sister who was a rebel and a third child is often the rebel but you'd have to check with her because she may think differently but both my sisters were brave and strong and I was kind of the marshmallow in between the strong <laughs> strong sisters. <laughs> now, when I was growing up, you've got to remember what era this was, because a lot of you are very young listening, or Melissa's age and listening. Remember, wages were a dollar an hour, and not much more than what they pay some people in America. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Idaho is seven twenty-five now. It's shocking, Mum. It's shocking. Now, what year were you born, Mum? In the fifties. Nineteen fifty-four. Fifty-four. Yeah, so we're talking about the 50s. Yeah, we're talking about the first bit is about the 50s and the second bit will be about them to the mid-60s. Mm. Fast food in those days was a sandwich that you took, that you ate while you were walking. There was no fast food. <laughs> TV was two hours a day from four to six. Telephones, had, yeah, telephones had it. handles and a dial front. The average house in New Zealand cost six and a half thousand dollars, and you could pay it off in ten years. That's awesome, Mum. Yeah, that's awesome. Our, wash, our washing machines were a big tub. They were a ringer washing machine. I think Americans, Americans call it a mangle on top. Two rubber tubes that go round to squash the water out. Um, we still boiled our whites in a copper drum with a fire lit underneath. And that's crazy. Our, and our toilets. 
on the farm were outside. Now, they were not a long drop. I'm not sure whether any of your listeners know what a long drop is. A long drop is, is kind of a piece of board like a chair over a big hole in the ground. And okay. that's, you know, no, they weren't that. We were okay. slightly more sophisticated. <laughs> it was sort of toilet seat that was built in and underneath the toilet seat there was a 20-gallon drum that caught all the offerings that were offered to you. And then what happened to the 20, I mean, did it get cleaned out? Or what happened? It did, and I will come to that later on. All right. Some of the stories I'll tell you. Okay. Was it up to the family to clean it out, or were there, like, rubbish guys that, no, up to the family? No. That's disgusting, Mum. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Masaru, get out there, mate. (laughs) They They were scary at night. Because, of course, they t- attracted animals, you know, yeah. possum, size of a raccoon, I guess, and yeah. rats and mice. And in the summer, the flies were terrible. So they were disgusting things. Mm. I actually didn't, don't know how we survived our childhood, we kids, because we should have been sick all the time, but we weren't. We mm. were healthy and well, and I never knew what a flushing toilet was till I went to school, and they had a flushing toilet there. Wow. Honestly, I was thinking the other day that I never showered till I went to boarding school because we always bathed. Mm. So... Mm. Did you Choose. like a shower when you tried it? Did you like it? Oh, I wouldn't have a bath again. Yeah. <laughs> bath, baths are disgusting things. You're lying there in your, in your dirt and your dead skin. What would you do? In your own filth. Yeah, so in Japan what you do is you have a shower first, you get clean, and then you soak in their deep bath. That's the way yes. to do it. Yeah, well, we, we didn't do that. No, we didn't no. We, no. We didn't have a flushing toilet until we moved to the new house, mm. which was about in the when I was about six and a half. Mm. When I was about six and a half, we moved to the new house, and that's when we had a flushing toilet. Mm. So what I'm going to do, Melissa, is divide. You need to keep an eye on the time because I don't want people to be bored to tears with this. Mum, so- people aren't going to be bored. You're too worried. <laughs> people listen or they don't. They're going to listen. <laughs> It's going to be fine. Okay, so I'm going to divide it into three parts. I'm going to okay. divide it into when we lived in our old house, my grandparents' place, and when we moved to our new house. Got so it. I don't want I don't want your listeners to think this is just an ego trip for me. So they don't do think that. Do tell me if I'm just rambling on. Okay. They're going to think this is awesome. They're going to be like, <laughs> why couldn't she keep talking? As unlike you, when I was talking to Joseph, you're like, can you please shut up and let Joseph talk more? People are probably going to think that. They're going to be like, can Melissa shut up and let her mums talk more? So I'll try to not talk as much. Okay. The first memory I have down in the old house, and we're talking about old wooden house, and it was in a sort of a gully and what have you. It was just, and it was cold, but it was, I enjoyed it because it had a coal fire, and that's how we heated the house, and that's how mum cooked and what have you. How she got the temperature of the oven correct to cook things is beyond me, Mm. but that's what it was. We were always made to do the chores, and one of the chores was to to do the washing and the washing machine was electric it was electric and I was doing the washing this day and you know that I told you the mangle on top or the ringer on top it goes round and round and you push the push the sheets or whatever it is through and I got my fingers trapped in it Mm. okay 
So my fingers went into the roller with the sheet or whatever it was, and it kept rolling. And I would I screamed for mum, and it kept rolling up past my wrist and up my arm, and I was rollering into this thing. And How old mum, were you, mum? How old were you? Oh, about four or five. I was just young. You know, you help with the chores. That's what you do. So you, so. so so my arm is going up and it's past my wrist now and it's getting towards my elbow. Panic stations, panic, panic stations. stations. So mum, come, mum comes in and the jolly thing's meant to automatically flick up when there's too big a bulk going through the ringers, but it wouldn't flick up. And it got and it got up as far as my armpit and it was going round and round. And mum panicked and she said, I can't flick it up, Susan. I can't flick it up. I'm going to have to roll you out again. So she reversed it and rolled my arm. Did you get a rash? Did it take your skin off because it was rollering up there? It did, but it wasn't too long. It wasn't too long. I can remember (laughs) mum took me to the hospital. There was nothing broken. There was nothing wrong with my arm, but mum rushed me into the hospital. But I learned my lesson. From then (laughs) on, I used a wooden spoon to push that washing into the mangle, into the ringer. Mum, you were only four. Good life lesson. There was no way that I was going to get my fingers in there again, I'm telling you. (laughs) So it's not like I stopped doing the washing for mum or helping mum with the washing or what have you. I just decided I wasn't going to use my fingers to push. And just had nightmares for the next month about being eaten by a washing machine. (laughs) <laughs> oh no! I still remember it quite vividly, but I don't remember as, as it like it sticks in your memory. And I can't say whether I was traumatized by it because obviously I kept on helping with the washing. I just yeah. changed. I just changed my strategy. Yeah, I didn't yeah, use my yeah. Fingers Lesson learned. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. That's right. <laughs> don't do that again, silly thing. I like it. So. We were quite feral. I think we were quite feral. And I'm not sure whether, and I think it was a good thing because we learned by lessons quite often. Now, up the back of our house, up the hill, there was a gravel pit that they used to take gravel out of for the roads and what have you. And we would go up there and we would play when we were just young. And we would play with boats and we would go in with our gumboots and what have you. And I think now, and I think of it with horror, that more than the my arm and the ring washing machine, because we were up there alone with water and gravel and all sorts of things. But there didn't seem to be many rules around what we could do, Melissa. We were we were allowed to wander. I can remember the time that my brothers got the lesson. We had this big apple tree beside the house, and it was really tall. It was a lot taller than the house was. Mm. And the boys climbed up the top. My brothers climbed up the top. And they couldn't get down. And they yelled, get somebody to get us down, get somebody to get us down. So I went in and said to Mum, the boys are stuck in the tree, Mum. They need help to get down. And Mum said, oh, they'll get down before by tea time, don't worry. And I went out, and you always give the message far more than the what your mother says. And I, and I can remember yelling out, Mum says she doesn't care. If you can't come down, from, you got up there, you got to come down yourself. And if you're not down by tea time, all the best, because we'll have your tea. There'll be more for us. <laughs> <laughs> and went off and just left them to it. And they got down. 
And mm. I think to myself, how interesting it is that these days, your listeners are probably horrified that mm. that we would do that they'd be left them up. But this made that they could problem solve. They mm. were persistent in what they were to. They were determined. When there was a goal that they had to pursue, that the, like they had to get down. They couldn't stay up there all night. They worked out. <laughs> They worked out a way to do it. And honestly, I think it made us strong and resilient and and all the other things that are kind of missing Mm. a bit in society today. But I can remember our outside toilet, which was awful. My sisters... My sisters were great fun. I admired my sisters very much. My younger sister particularly, because she was afraid of nothing. She used to go out into the paddock and she used to lead the bull by the ring in its nose around the paddock. And I was in awe of that because I was scared stiff of anything bigger than me, really. And... I didn't really even like chickens because they didn't like me. They used Mm. to fluff down, you know, with their skinny little legs and fluff up their feathers. And when they saw me coming, they used to leap at me. I was a a real puss. But my younger younger sister, she now, she will disagree with us. Marie will disagree. But I can remember the time she had to go to hospital to have her stomach pumped because she decided a puddle in the yard, she was going to mix some petrol in it and she was going to drink it. She was going to make a a drink for herself and she had to have her stomach pumped. So I don't don't know know. why she thought that was a good idea. How long did it take your brothers to get down that apple tree just backtracking? Oh, they were down for dinner. They were down for dinner. <laughs> they were down for dinner. It's not. Like, it's not like they weren't going to have dinner. <laughs> That's awesome. Marie sounds. Marie sounds like she was a wildfire. She she was a rebel and she was she was willing to try anything. Whereas I was a bit of a scaredy cat. Petra and, and water. I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't call you a scaredy cat for not trying that. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe safe. Yeah, no, uh, like to preserve she, your life. <laughs> yeah, no, she was, she was, she was great. I don't know. Look, I, th- I just wonder sometimes how we survived. I can remember that my older sisters asked me, and the to- and the to- toilet was a shed sort of thing, and I'm sure it was me, and I can't remember, but I'm sure it was me. They said, "I'll oh, put your head up and see if there's something in there." I put my head into the hole up in the roof and couldn't get it out again. We had to break boards to get my head out again because you know as soon as you put your hand or your head or your foot into a confined space, automatically your body swells, doesn't it? It doesn't go in. It, as soon as it, it doesn't come out as thin as it went in. Now, what and was I this a remember- hole for, Mum? Like what well, was it? It was just it was just a hole in the roof of the toilet. That's oh, all. Uh-huh, just a uh-huh. hole. Yep. As as you have, and I can remember getting my head stuck in it. And how long were you there for? Or did you get I out by out? dinner? Until <laughs> <laughs> I got out. <laughs> did I they tell out. your mum? And she's like, she'll figure a way out. Tell her to relax, yeah. and her head won't swell anymore. <laughs> tell her to be back by dinner, or I'll pass it out to you guys. <laughs> But how can you relax? It's when you put a, your hand in a small jar or something that people say, relax, relax, you'll pull it out. No, you won't because you're no longer relaxed because you panicked, you know. So, nah, that's all rubbish, that is. Remove you've got the to boards. end up breaking something. Yeah. yeah, you've got to end up breaking something. My sisters, we had, there were two bedrooms. My brothers, I can remember, one of them slept because we had bunks. 
and the other slept in the corridor. You know, it sounds like a hospital today, doesn't it? We have the beds lined up in the corridor because there's not enough room. But oh. they lived in the corridor. And I can remember at the end of the corridor, Mum having all her preserves and what have you. But we had my sisters, my sisters and I had bunks in the... And between the two rooms, there was a hole in the wall, okay? And that hole in the wall was our secret place to talk to each other at night and to put rubbish down that we didn't want our parents to know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My like fist. Apple, like apple cores and that sort of thing. Oh, and disgusting. paper we used to put down. Well, I guess it fed all the rodents that lived around the place, but we never thought it was disgusting. We thought it was great. You don't because, as a kid. Yeah, because we were talking to each other through the secret hole in the wall, not that... You've got to remember the houses in those days were flat boards with scrim and wallpaper over them. Now, scrim is like sacking, mm -hmm. like sacking and wallpaper. And when the wind blew, it would all move, <laughs> like it breathed in and out. So wow. we, were hard, we were hardy kids. No wonder I was scared of the dark. I was always scared of the dark. I was terrified yeah. of the dark I because it was too. just too much for me, man. And so the girls used... slept in these two rooms and the boys slept out in the hallway, in the corridor? Yeah, in the corridor. Yeah, until they were big enough and then one boy would be moved in because the bunks take four children, of course. Two bunks mm. take four children mm. and one of them would have to come in. But the oldest one, top bunk, no barriers, mm. no barriers. You would just fall out if you move too far. Yep. Or, or stretch out, so I'm yeah. sure we fell out several times, and probably that explains a lot. <laughs> we might have fallen on our heads. <laughs> but we We've all fallen out too with the barriers, so whether you put them up or not, <laughs> mum, the kids have fallen out, right? Now you had yeah. three bedrooms, so one for your mum and two bedrooms for the kids, is that right? Yep. That's right, and there were six of us, six kids. Mm. So the boys slept in the corridor, and who, the who two shared boys... the room? Like you and Margaret, or like who shared the uh, rooms? I'm pretty sure that Margaret and Marie shared shared the You're one with... room, and yep. I shared the room with one of the boys. Okay, because I was a bit of a wuss, and Margaret and Marie were very strong, powerful women. And they didn't have as much time for a wasp as they had for each other. Great. <laughs> but that's all right. I didn't mind because whatever I works. thought, yeah, whatever works. They they were really, really good team. You know, brave and a good team. We didn't. We went into town every now and again in the old car and what have you. And I always think, I think back now on what a mission that must have been for my mum. What a mission it must have been to have us all. Mm. But I want to tell you this particular story that yeah. we went into town and because there was nowhere to stop to go to the bathroom, mum always took a potty. You know what a potty is? So yeah. I'm assuming what um, Americans know what a potty is. Yeah. And it always sat in the back of the car. There are no seatbelts. Mm. You just all jammed in back and front. If there's an accident, cuddle together. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's no seatbelts or amazed when I was thinking about this, Melissa, how we ever survived our childhood. How did we ever survive? All I you think did. More good luck than good management, I think. Anyway, 
One of my sisters, I think it was Margaret, wanted because we would use the potty in the car so mum didn't have to stop. One of my sisters wanted to use the potty. We were in the middle of town. We're in the middle main street of town. She said, oh, I'm not using this. Somebody's already used it. Opened the window, tipped it out onto the road and then used used the potty herself. Mum just kept going and pretended she never saw a thing. (laughs) 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 It's like like if you don't take any notice of it, it didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, good on her. Good on her. We only had mum made all our clothes. She Mm. sewed all our clothes. She knitted all our jerseys. Mm. We had a pair of gumboots for around the farm. Mm. We had a pair of shoes to go to school. We had slippers that she's possibly knitted, or mm. possibly she knitted, and we had a pair of good shoes, and we only got a pair of shoes every year. Mm. We only got a pair of shoes every year. And we never thought anything about that because it's just the way it was. You know, you look back on it now, and I look in my wardrobe, and I see all these shoes I don't wear, and I think to myself, come on, Susan, get a grip. How many pairs do you need? Mm. You know, and I think that comes from my childhood where it's like, well, exactly how much stuff do you need? I I always always think to myself, you spend the first third of your life with no stuff. You spend the second third of your life accumulating stuff, and you spend the last third of your life, life trying to get rid of all the damn mm. stuff you've got. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I just thought it was normal. We all thought it was normal. None of us ever thought we were poor. We always had food. We always had clothes, you know, we, and we had each other. Mm. And we loved mum. Dad was a bit strange. I say that I think... I can't really remember some things because I have a memory, Melissa, that remembers good things and is kind of put into a closet somewhere away any of the really bad things, and I'm okay with that. Mm. Like, they don't have to come out. But I think my dad was quite mean to my brothers. Mm. I think he was quite mean to them. Mm-hmm. And But he liked me for some reason. Who knows? Mm. I was. He called me pet, mm. and there are all sorts of things associated with that because mm. being being the favourite is awful. Mm. It's awful. Anyway, so we went to school on a school bus. The school bus was one of those old ones you see in movies, like a really old one. It was dusty, and we had to walk about, oh, I don't know, 100 miles uphill both ways in the rain with bare feet. We had to walk about, I'd say, half a mile. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it wouldn't be that far. Maybe a quarter of a mile down to catch the bus because the bus would only stop at the crossroads. So the bus passed our place to pick us up and then we would hop on the bus and go back past our place to go to school. Okay, so we because the bus wouldn't stop at our place because he didn't stop. He stopped at this crossroads and everybody got off at the crossroads and we had to walk back. But our bus driver, Mr. Soonis, was a great man and he sang to us. And he and I remember two of the songs he sang to us, so I'm going to sing them to you. Do and it. they're absolutely ridiculous. Okay, okay so he sang. 
You're saying, my old man's a dustman, he wears a dustman's hat, he wears cool blimey trousers, and he lives in a council flat. Now, that's very English, so Mr. Soonis must have been English. But then he sang us a song that I always remember. Like, we're talking 60 years ago, and I still remember the words. And I tried to Google this one, nowhere. So I think he made it up. He said, Oh, the elephant is a nippy bird. He flits from bow to bow. He builds his nest in a rhubarb tree and whistles like a cow. <laughs> None of that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> None of that makes sense. But he used to sing to us, and he used to sing to us all the way to school, and he used to sing to us all the way home. Mm. And that's a really lovely memory that I have mm. of going to school on the bus, like mm. a really lovely memory. And we got a new bus, the old bus. We got a new bus, and I hated the new bus. I wanted the old bus back, but I guess the old bus had seen its day. But the new bus was like a um, van type thing, mm. and I hated it because it just wasn't the same. Mm. It was like we'd lost something with the new van. Yeah. How anyway, far, how far away was school, Mum? Like you couldn't walk to it. Was it miles away? Or? No, school was at least. At least three miles away. So you could have biked if you had a bike? There's dangerous? No, dangerous on a yeah, farm road, no, Mum? Yeah, dangerous on a country road. Dangerous on a country road. I don't think – I remember the first bike I ever got, I got it for Christmas, and it took me ages to learn to ride it. My two sisters could ride their bike, and we just had to practice and practice. But I don't think – I think Mum drew the line of letting us be on – ride too far but we were allowed to ride up to nana and granddad's place mm. which was down the road and up the hill so mm. we were how old were you when you got your first bike mm, probably again about five or six i think that's not too bad you'd have to you'd have to check with my sister she she would she's got a good better memory for those things than i have anyway let's carry on because we don't want to hold people up so my last memory of the of our house in our old house, Mum had a huge garden, huge garden, and apple trees, apple trees that some of the apples, if you bit into them, they'd curl your teeth up. They were so sour, but big garden that she had. So my sister and I, as my sisters and I had been to school, we were dropped off at the bus at the corner. My older sister Margaret headed up to Nana's because she used to spend most of her time with Nana and Granddad. She was their favourite, so she used to spend a lot of time up there. And Marie and I headed home. So we're walking along home, you know, about 500 metres or whatever it is, well, quarter of a mile, get home, go home, nothing. The place is cleared out. There's not a person there. All the furniture's gone, all the beds are gone, all the rooms are empty. <laughs> it's like, what the heck? <laughs> Have aliens taken my family? Wow. No, they're gone. No they're warning. Gone. No warning, nothing. It's crazy. And, and my sister and I are like, what the heck? And we were building a new house up on the hill and was, well, maybe they're up at the new house. Maybe that's where they've gone. So my sister and I walked back to the crossroads and then up on a right angle, it was a 90-degree angle, the roads were, of course, being a right, up to the new house and there they were. Now, 
I'm not sure if it traumatised us or not. I don't know whether I'm traumatised over it, but it's a memory that I ha- that my sister and I have very vividly. Not only were we completely annoyed that we had to re-walk that flip and walk from the bus home and then walk the same distance again to the new house, but nobody had even flippin' bothered to ring the school and say, tell Susan and Marie and Margaret to walk to the new house tonight because we have shifted. No. (laughs) Nope. We arrived there abandoned. Abandoned. (laughs) That's crazy, Mum. Well, you think to yourself... It's it's funny, Mum, because some parents want their kids to have a phone at school because they need to contact them all the time. And here you are, and their par- and your parents are like, they don't need to know. They can just come home. They'll figure it out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. And I think to myself, well, we did figure it out, but we were jolly annoyed. What about a know? note? There could have been a note on the well, door. It could have been. But I think we were quite young, and I don't think – I think I was about six and a half, and – Marie was about five and a half, I think, and I honestly, and I don't know whether we could have read a note. Six that, and a half, I might have been reading a note. That makes but it just crazier, see, Mum. But it wasn't even, see, Margaret had already walked up to my Nana's. grandparents, Nana and Granddad's place, because that's where she basically lived, with, because they spoiled or rotten, mm. I remember that. Mm. But it was left for Marie and me to walk home, and the other boys weren't at school yet. Mm. So they already, they they went up. I guess and you could have went to Nana and Granddad's if the other place didn't work out. Well, they had to be somewhere. Yeah. Logic, logic told me that they haven't vanished. Yeah. You know, logic said that all possibilities, they are somewhere. Yes. You know, they haven't sort of just been taken up in an alien spaceship or something. Yeah. All possibilities are they are somewhere. So. You found them. Yeah, we found them. Yeah. Well, we're really annoyed too. Yeah. I can remember being really annoyed because yeah. we had to do all that extra walking. <laughs> I don't think your mum cared, mum. She did. She loved us deeply. My mother loved us deeply. What I feel. No, I don't think she cared that you had to do the big walk. I think she oh, cared about okay. you. I don't think she cared. She was like, they'll be right, you know. Yeah, she I think thought, she cared. Yeah. I don't yep. think she cared about that particularly long double back walk that you had to do. I think she thought to herself, they'll be okay. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt, Melissa. I am going to say with all the hustle and bustle of shifting and all that sort of stuff, she actually forgot to mm. let us know. Yeah. She actually just, it just slipped her mind yeah. that she had three children at school yeah. and needed to know yeah. that we were shifting where we were living that day. I bet you it that's just, it. Left her mind. We'll have yeah. to ask her when we see her again. <laughs> have to. So that, we shifted from the old house, and the old house had lots of memories, like there was only a bath, the outside loo, the outside bathroom, toilet. The you you guys all food. had to share the bath, eh? Wow, that was even in the new house because we were on tank water, Melissa. We were on tank water, and tank water is very precious on a farm. I can only ever remember us buying in water once, a very dry season. And that meant, and I know your listeners are going to absolutely freak, it meant that we bathed once a week, okay? Mum filled the bath, cleanest person in first. 
Mm -hmm. Okay, and they had a bath. Then the next cleanest person, and it was always us girls who had a bath first, and then all the boys went in together, and they just used the same water as we did. Now, I know they're freaking out. People are going, oh, my goodness, but you've got to remember that there was water shortages. We had to save water. I, I was, you know, when I went to boarding school, it was like, oh, my goodness, we can all have I never bathed again, really. I showered from then on. But we only washed our hair once a week. We washed it on Saturday for Sunday. We had a Saturday night bath. I'm not saying that we didn't clean our knees like Mum would put some water in the bath and we'd all sit on the edge and we'd all clean our legs from the knees down because they were all covered with dirt from the day and what have you. We did that during the week. It's not like we didn't wash and clean our teeth and that sort of thing, but we only had a bath mm. once a week. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Yeah. My kids my kids only had a shower once a week when they were little. I wasn't a big bath person. I got mates that uh, gave their kids a bath every night, not me. I couldn't be bothered with it. And so my kids maybe had a bath like a couple of times a week, maybe. And once they could start having a shower, I left it up to them. I'm sure Takeshi hasn't had a shower in probably a month. So I think that's probably why none of us have COVID. You know what I mean? Like, I just really think that uh, I wash my hair once a week. I, now I know where I get all of this from. I get it from your mother. This is where well, this yeah. is where I'm getting that from. Well, I, I, every three days I do my... but. I'm just thinking to myself, when my grandchildren come, if, say, they're between uh, two and eight or nine, it's like, nah, you go, no, you're not having a bath every night or a shower every night. No, you're bathing and showering far too much. The good oils in your skin and all that stuff that's good for you is being washed off all the and I make up all that's all rubbish though I think. Let's wash your but, face, wash your hands, yeah, and wash, wash your face, feet. Wash your hands, wash your feet. Yep. That's good enough. You can yep. have a you can have a shower as much as you like in your parents' place. Yeah. I don't care. My kids my kids are used to having a long shower, especially Masato is like whenever I go to grandma's place she's always knocking on the door after five minutes she's like listen your shower time's up mate you need to get out and my son is like I always got to go real fast at grandma's house she's not she's not into long showers I'm like no but at least you know when you go over you know what's up yeah that's right listen I can shower and wash my hair and do everything that needs to be done in less than five minutes anything that more than that you're wasting your time that's crazy that's crazy <laughs> that's awesome mum I just can't. My hair's way too long for me to be able to do it in five minutes. Yeah. You'll notice all the pictures of when we were children, uh, the girls have short hair, never yes. went further than their shoulders. Yeah. That's because there was no conditioner in those days. Mm. So therefore, when you washed your hair, there were tugs galore. So right. you just didn't have, lo- until conditioner came in for us, you couldn't have long hair because it was just so tuggy. It was just mm-hmm. so tuggy. Mm-hmm. And if you had a sensitive scalp, you were doomed. So we all had reasonably short hair. I wondered that when I saw the pictures, and I'll put them up here on the on my blog and the podcast and stuff, but I wondered, all of you had short hair. That's good to know. Yes, because where there was no conditioner, yeah. and it was like, who's going to who's going to be ripping their scalp out every time trying to get their hair? Yeah, 
No. Did any did any girls at your school or any girls have long hair, Mum? Or all of them had short hair back in the day? I can't re- I can't remember them being anyone with really long hair because you see nowadays I when I go to schools, there isn't a single girl with short hair. Mm. Everybody's got long hair. Mm. Uh, and that's okay. It's mm. just I guess but you can that's control it these things. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so I'm going to go on to the second part now, okay. which is Nan and Granddad's place. So Let's do it. As I, they, used to, they lived about um, a 300-metre walk, which is three, three threes and nine, 900 feet, would it be? Well, they can, yeah, they can look it up. Like, basically, a metre is about... Is three feet. Yeah, yeah, it's about three feet. Give or take, about yeah. three feet. Yeah. So they lived just down the road, and we loved our nana and granddad. We. Is this your mum's uh, parents, mum? My mum's parents, yes. Never knew my dad's parents were already dead. My mum's parents, we loved them to bits. Nana was a great cook. My sister Margaret was their favourite. She was practically lived there when she could, which was fine. I used to go down and I had what they call the big bedroom, which had the double bed in it. But it it, it was just wire, you know, and it sunk in the middle and it had a K-pop mattress in it. So you were sort of like in a cocoon when you leapt into it. <laughs> I loved that bed. That bed was great because my sister Margaret had a single in one of the other rooms. And my when Marie came down, she was in the middle bedroom and she had a single too. But I had the double bed and how any two people would ever sleep in that is beyond me because you they would all roll to the middle and be on you know squished in the middle because mm. it had no boards underneath and no no firmness at all you just rolled into the middle <laughs> but to get down to my grandparents place you had to pass these microcarpet trees that were probably 200 meters they were really big and the wind blew around them and it was dark and there was an empty shed there as well and I was always terrified of the dark and I can remember running that part myself but the the need to get down to my grandparents and stay there was greater than my anxiety and fear of the dark. (laughs) So how often would you stay down at your nana and granddad's mum? Oh I'd be staying down there Quite often, my sister stayed there almost permanently, and I would go down maybe on a Friday night at the weekend and what have you. I'd go and stay a little bit. Sometimes I wouldn't. Maybe at least a weekend, a fortnight, I would stay down there, I think. There were noises in the night. Again, it was an old wooden house. And I can remember lying in bed and hearing the scuttling in the ceiling and knowing it was a possum or a rat up there. And just thinking to myself, I hope it, I know it can't get down because there are no holes in the ceiling. But listening to the scuttling scuttling in the ceiling, and you can imagine as a small child listening to all this stuff and you just, in the end, you just fell asleep so you wouldn't hear it. (laughs) It was terrible. And I can remember these hoo-hoo beetles. Now, these hoo-hoo beetles were the size of light aircraft. I'm telling you, they were at least... They were at least four inches long, five inches long. They were humongous things with an an outside exoskeleton, whatever it is. Anyway, I know that they were 
hard because my grandmother, if one was flying about in the bedroom, she would wait till it landed, then stamp on it with her feet. And it was like stamping a rice cracker or something because you heard it all squash and crunch up under a foot. And then she'd have to go and get a dish or something and scrape it off the floor and what have you. But they were terrible things because you would be worried that they'd get in your hair, like they'd oh. fly in that mat in your hair or something like that. So Nana was always very careful with the hoo-hoo grubs that she would come in. Hoo-hoo beetles, not a grub. Hoo-hoo beetles, she would come in and squash them for us. Squash them for us. That's gross, man. Just awful things. Are they still around now? Do you see them much? Of course they are. Of course they are. I don't see them because I don't live on a farm anymore. But but they're out there. When they're you're out, hiking they're and out stuff. there. They're out there. We're looking for here. Look out! Look out! Look out! All Americans, when you go to New Zealand, look out for the. Let us know if you find a hoo-hoo beetle. Send us a picture. Stand on them and record it. The, it's a hoo-hoo, yeah, hoo-hoo beetle. Hoo-hoo grub is different. The hoo-hoo yes. grub grows into a hoo-hoo beetle. Anyway, so Nana and Granddad, they used to kill their own meat. I can remember Granddad killing a cattle beast and pulling it up above the, up into a big tree above the, the fly line. Now, I've looked this up, and I don't think there any, there's any such thing. But he, he said, I have to pull it up above the fly line. That way, the flies won't get at it until I can process and chop it up and what have you. So isn't that an interesting thing mm. that he used to pull it up? And they used to, of course, kill the chickens. That's where I learned that a chicken can still move once its head's chopped off because they used to run into the wood pile and we used to have to dig through through the wood pile to get them out mm. and they were dead because mm. their head was still on the chopping board. Nana and Granddad had chooks. They used to have free-range chickens and we used to have to collect the eggs and I hate chickens but I used to do it because you have to, don't you? My grandfather had pecks on the back of his hand and I used to I used to take a small thing about the size of a piece of wood about the size of a ruler with me to collect the eggs so I could move the chicken aside so I could get the eggs and then without the chicken picking me mm. because I used to just hate them. I used to hate them. And sometimes you could go into the chicken feed and there were rats in there and what have you. But you got used to the livestock. Like everybody's saying, I can't understand I know they're thinking in the head. You, your childhood was a horror show, Susan, but it wasn't. It was Normal. great. It was exciting, and it was character building, and it was, and we survived. Yeah. That's a big thing. We swallowed. We survived with some quality, and what have you. But I didn't like doing the eggs, but I, I did it for Nana and Granddad, and we used to go down to Christmas at Nana and Granddad's. We always had Christmas at Nana and Granddad's because they had the big table, and I can remember cutting a branch off the old tree, one of the old trees outside, because we didn't have a Christmas tree. We didn't have a Christmas tree because there were no pines around our place at that stage, and mixing flour and water and dragging it over the the tree to make it look like snow. Because it's the middle of summer for us. Yeah. Christmas. Just the middle of summer. There's like, I can, I remember as as being reasonably happy childhood. Sometimes my father annoyed us all. Mm. And as I say, I I can remember him 
being, I'm pretty sure he was pretty mean to my brothers. But we, one thing we didn't suffer from was FOMO, fear of missing out, because we had no idea what other people were doing. Because mm. there was no television. There was no internet. Mm. There was no nothing. We had a party line. I can still remember another, 727. And the ring was long, short, long, because mm. that's where the dials on the on the phone were. Mm. And we, we shared our phone line with about eight other people in the country, and they each had their particular ring. Mm. So we had no – we didn't know. Mm. We were – we were just what we were. Life was what it is. What was Christmases was, what? like, Mum, when you were a kid at your nana and granddad's? It was a. It was the only time of the year, Melissa, that we had roast chicken, and because we lived on a farm, we ate sheep and beef. Mm. That's what we ate. We ate lamb and mutton and hoggett and beef. Now tell We'd people. Tell people what hoggett is, Mum. Oh, it's just an older lamb. It tastes better. My f- oh, lamb has, is tasteless, but hoggett weather, it's just an older lamb, mm-hmm. year, two years older, you know, and they just taste better because they're a bit older, mm-hmm. had lived more of life out on the farm. All our, food, all our meat was grass-fed, mm. and so we didn't – but chickens – on Christmas, we had roast chicken. So the chickens was, really uh, throughout the year were for eggs. Yep, and every now and you'd kill an old rooster or something like that, but they were mainly for boiling and stock. Mm. But at Christmas, we would have roast chicken. And now, these days, it's the beef and the lamb that's so expensive. You know, the, I was thinking to myself, what will we have for Christmas? Well, we'll not have chicken because we have chicken all the time. Mm. Uh, we, I might buy a piece of lamb or a piece of hocket or, or weather or something, buy a piece of that because we never have. It's too expensive. Yeah. It's too expensive to feed a family. Mm-hmm. Beef is beef is okay, not too bad. Mm. But for a big family, yeah. So it's surprising how things have changed. We eat far more white meat now than we eat red meat. But anyway, so Nana also had an outside toilet with a 20 gallon drum okay and she used to and she had a great big vegetable garden so I'm going to tell you about this so I you wondered what happened who emptied it so what Nana used to do is she used to trench the garden and empty the toilet tin the toilet tin into it with human waste okay and cover up and that was part of she also used cow manure and chicken manure but chicken manure will burn your vegetables it's very strong in the garden too okay so this is what we grew nana grew all her vegetables and all her plants in so think for a minute we are what we eat yes i bet you the vegetables were great so it adds new connotations to that saying, we are what we eat. That explains a lot, doesn't wow. it? Wow, wow. But, but I think to myself, you know, it just was what it was. Food in, know? food out, food in, food yeah. out. You trenched your garden and then the following year, that's where you planted your yeah. new plants for the season and then you kept trenching your garden and wow. that's what we did with the outside toilet tin. We also had church at Nana and Granddad's. If we had to go to church, we had to travel quite a long way for it. And Dad always ended up having arguments with the minister and what have you. So we used to have church at Nana and Granddad's. And Granddad used to take the service. And we used to all go down 
and after and it was real great juice. It was very nice. Thank you very much because we're allowed to finish it once Nan and Granddad. They took the sacrament. None of us kids were allowed to mm. until we were baptised, which we weren't at that stage. And then Nana would read us Bible stories, and that was our that was our church. Hey, Mum, how long was church when you had it at Nana and Granddad's? Usually about an hour we used to spend down there. I, th- I can't remember Mum and Dad going down, so I think it was a time for them to have a bit of a break and for us to go to church. Oh. I think that I think that's what it was. I can't. Isn't it funny? I can't even remember my grandparents visiting us in the new house. I. I can remember them visiting us in the old house down the bottom, but I can't. And you'd have to ask my sister, but but I just can't remember that. Anyway, I'm going to move on now to the new house, if that's okay. Part three. Because I Yep, part three. Okay. A new house was built for, I know how much it cost. It cost £12,000 because, or $12,000, that's how much it cost. But uh, because Dad used to tell us all the time, that's how much it cost. <laughs> and, and it had four bedrooms, which was which was great, and a bathroom and a shower that I can never remember using the shower. <sighs> And a big storeroom and a big kitchen and a lounge and a, it was really good, but it was completely uninsulated. Like it sat on the top of the hill, and it was completely uninsulated. And it had a garage underneath it because it was on the side of the hill, and the garage had no door. Mm. So the wind used to blow in the garage under us, our children's bedrooms, because the three bedrooms were under the garage, above the garage at least. And I can remember being fr- the thing I remember most about the new house was how cold it was in winter. I was I used to freeze, and I don't know whether my sisters did or not, but but it was just really cold, and it, because it was uninsulated. And isn't it funny that you would have a mem- it was a lovely house, but I was just always cold in it. That sucks. Yeah, these days, and that's why I think that I like to be warm, and I also think that. Heating in New Zealand is quite different to the States. It's like, it's almost at times, I guess, a privilege rather than a right to be warm. Sort yeah, of thing. we weren't brought up with, we weren't brought up with heating. Like you had a fire or you froze or you wore a lot of blankets. And when I came over yeah. to America, it was, people had heating everywhere. It was everywhere. Every house was heated and it was warm and I, it was crazy. Like I, I was never brought up with heat. Yeah, and I think, I wonder if that's why we have a lot of asthma in New Zealand and that sort of thing, because the houses weren't really insulated as well as they should have been, you know, when on retrospect, looking back on it. Yeah. But all I can remember is being cold. I can remember having like eight blankets mm. and no more blankets would make any difference Yeah. because it was just now just weight on top of me and a hot bottle and changing that hot bottle twice in a night because I was so cold, getting wow. up and boiling the bag and changing because I was just so cold. And that's just a real memory etched in my etched in my head. But it was nice to be in the new house. It was nice to be in the new house, but there were no holes in the wall. There was like my sis, my older sister and I shared a bedroom and my younger sister was in what they called the sunroom that had built-in bedrooms and that was okay. I didn't. Oh, I, I've always shared a bedroom and when I went to boarding school, boarding school, there were 12 of us in the room. So we always shared. It was always good. 
again, we were, I can only remember as, as I can only describe it as feral. We, we were allowed to do basically what we like um, within, I guess, I guess within reason. But we used to take the tractor down to the river, the river to the swimming hole and the swimming hole parts of it would have been above our heads and we would have been under 12. We used to swim in the river and then bring the tractor back again. The worst thing about the river was we went, stood in the weeds and the eels would slide past your legs and eels' teeth are curved in so if they ever bit you, they couldn't let go. Like a shark. But they weren't. Yeah, but they weren't going to bite you. They were just annoyed that you were disturbing their spot. But these holes, it wasn't like you couldn't see the bottom of them. They were black. Mm. And we used to swim in them and we'd spend all day down there. Mm. And then we'd come back home. It's like I can remember in the old house, mum just locking the door and saying, see you at dinner time. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and we just played outside all the time. Tried to get down the apple tree. Yeah. <laughs> my brothers used to go eeling they used to go with eeling with eeling lines i can remember getting tangled up in one of them once and running up the bank and the eel chasing me because it was on a hook and it was and what have you so i always had a, a bit of a fear of snakes and things until i went to australia and actually touched one and decided you know you've got to face your fears don't you otherwise they become so, so catastrophic you won't do anything so you've got to face them and i can remember the boys going down and bringing this eel back that was the size of a submarine mm. it was humongous and it had horns and it looked like it was ancient as and the cats wouldn't even look at it. And, mum, and mum, I think mum ended up burying it somewhere in the garden. <laughs> it was lucky to... <laughs> it was a dreadful thing, but but that's what we did. We went unsupervised and we did that. Now, I, I tell remember... people over in the States, mum, that we have um, eels in our rivers and they don't know what I'm talking about. So I don't like know... Yeah, so I don't know if people in America, there's sea ocean eels the only thing when i talk to americans the only they're like i only know an eel in the sea and i'm like no no we got eels in the rivers in new zealand and we eat them we smoke them and eat them yep. they're actually great and they can't yep. believe it they can't believe yep. it they're like do they bite you i'm like nah they don't bite you unless you shove your Stand hand into them. there yeah they don't bite you they just unless leave you alone yeah they're scared and more scared of you than you are of them but um yes we eat them yeah they're good uh, and they're cooked and yeah. what have you but so and they're like a snake yeah yeah they're like water snake yeah okay i can remember the boys dug a hole outside the house on the side of the house they were going to dig to china it was never filled in i'm sure that hole's still there now <laughs> they just dug and dug and dug and dug they spent all day digging down and because wow. we're on the side of the hill they weren't going to hit the water line or anything but mum had built a mum had built a nice garden out the back and she asked dad to put a wall around it so he built a wall out of cinder blocks or concrete blocks and first decent one, it blew down because he didn't know how to build a wall. He put a, he didn't put any strengthening in it or anything. It just crashed onto the garden, the first oh. decent one, because Dad wasn't a farmer. Yeah. He wasn't a farmer. He had come from England and he, he simply wasn't a farmer. I can remember that one of our lambing, we, Dad had a lambing of wild sheep. Now, lambing should be like 250% should be your lambing because then you're getting all twins and some triplets. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But our lambing was wild sheep 
percentages. So mm-hmm. dad wasn't really dad wasn't really a farmer. Granddad was a farmer, but dad wasn't really a farmer. Now I can't believe we, that that hole to China didn't collapse in on the kids. I've got a mate and he's a firefighter and he like hyperventilating them in a paper bag hearing this story. Like make sure that if you're digging trenches and stuff that it's all protected and your your brothers are just out there digging a hole and just digging a hole. Work it worked out, China. I guess. And, and they all knew that it had to be wider at the top and narrower at the bottom, otherwise it would collapse in. So they'd have one brother at the top making the making it wider right. so that there was, you know. And well, that sounds a bit the better. at the bottom digging. Uh, yeah, the, the boys the boys were... Safe. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't have as many memories about my brothers as I do with my sisters and mm. yeah but I do remember I do remember the collapsing of the wall yeah on the garden and thinking yeah. and dad used to pay get people in to work in the shearing shed you know when they take the wool off the sheep to yeah um, to sell it because yeah. the sheep's got the wool and it's got the meat so they take it and he used to pay those boys he used to pay those boys a dollar an hour or whatever it was. And I, I'm i sure my sisters would have been with me. And we said, we'll go over and work in the shed. We want a dollar an hour too. And he said, I'll pay you 50 cents. And we said, stick it up your jumper. Yeah. We'll go and help mum. Yeah. So even from that age, we were quite aware of discrepancies between the treatment of boys and the treatment of girls in society. And I think that I have my mum probably to thank for that awareness because we, all the girls, got sent to boarding school to have a good education. My grandparents paid for that and all the boys went to the local school. Mm. But my mum was very adamant that us girls, if possible, were to get a good education, to get a good education. Interesting. Now, Mum, why don't you tell me about earning some pocket money and from? (laughs) Tell us about that. So there was very little chance to earn pocket money, but the way we used to earn pocket money when we were little is we used to pluck dead sheep. Now, this is what happened. We used to go around the sheep with our dad, and when the sheep wool was full, when when the coat was full, they would get cast. They would roll over, and they couldn't get up again. So here you have the sort of furry woolen ball, like a big ball, on the ground, feet, little skinny feet straight up in the air, and it's struggling to struggling to get back onto its feet because its coat is so heavy. So you go around the sheep twice a day and any sheep that it cast, you would hop off and you would grab them and pull them up onto their feet and they would run away. Well, sometimes you missed sheep, didn't you? And they would die. Mm. So there would be a dead sheep with all that wool on it that's worth money. So those were our kids' sheep. And we were allowed to pluck them, to pull the wool, to pluck the wool. Mm -hmm. Now, you couldn't do it the first day because the wool, the first day the sheep was dead because the wool wouldn't come away from the skin. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't do it the second day because it was still tough to come away from the skin. But on the third and fourth day that that sheep was dead, you could now pull the wool off. So we would go out and we would pluck dead sheep for the wool, put it in a bag, and then when we went to town, we would sell it to the local wool merchant. Mm. And sometimes we would get like 
10, 15 shillings for it, which is like, oh, I suppose, money in these days. It's, oh, I don't, I didn't actually look up the equivalent of it, but for us, it was a lot of money. Mm. And we were just over the moon. And each of us, I can remember each of us girls would have a sack mm-hmm. of wool and you would shove as much as you could into it because it was worth, oh, that was our pocket money. Awesome. And people, people don't believe that we did that. That that's what, but that's what we did. That's there was no other way. Some of the local kids would put. I can remember your dad saying what they did for money is they used to pick grass, like seeded grass, on the side of the road, and they used to use their motorbike, then their cycle bike spokes, and they used to thresh it in there and sell the seed, and that's how they used to get some money wow but ours, i know i know who would have known and but we used to pluck sheep we um what did you do with your money mum did you save it or spend it i'm probably sure i spent it but i have no idea on what mm. i can't remember spending it but i'm pretty sure we probably spent it in town we had 10 shillings and we'd spend it in town and spend it on anything we like you know with our friends gay abandon and reckless regard our two mates <laughs> yeah nobody accountable for you know i can remember once um jumping off the back of the jeep and breaking my arm that's the only injury i can remember ever getting really was jumping uh, breaking my arm and having my arm in a cast for six to eight weeks i can remember remember that i can remember one day i decided that i was going to and a couple of times I think I decided that I was going to stay at the school and use the swimming pool because it was particularly hot. And if we missed, the, if we didn't catch the bus home, we had to walk home. There was no, I'll come and pick you up, my darling child. It was like, well, if you don't come home on the bus, you can choose what you want to do, but if you don't come on the bus, nobody's coming to pick you up. You need to walk home. And I can remember walking home on country roads, like, what did I say, about 5Ks, about three, three miles, mm-hmm. three and a half miles, and country roads by myself mm. on the side of the road mm. where anyone could have picked us up, mm-hmm. you know, just out in the country walking home. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, now there is no way a parent would allow their child to do that. Mm-hmm. Not at not at under twelve, no way. Mm. But we but we did it. I played a lot of. We all played a lot of sport because you had to. Because I went to a small country school, and you had to play a lot of sport. You played everything: tennis, netball. Hockey. I was particularly good. Hockey. Oh, I don't think hockey was a thing. Oh, okay. I think it was tennis, netball, swimming, rugby for the boys. There was no league. Cricket. It was all rugby. Cricket, yeah, we used to play that. And you used to, because it was a small school, you were on every team. It didn't matter whether you were good. You were on every team. You just had to do it. And I think that made us very well-rounded too because you just had to, you just had to play. So you had good ball schools. I can remember my sister... My two sisters and me being on a team, and I was on the netball team. My older sister was the centre. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on a netball team, okay? My sister was the centre, which is in the middle of the court. I was a defence down at the one goal, and my other sister was a shoot down at the other goal, and we didn't need anyone else on that team. We could move that ball up and down that court just between the three of us because we knew each other so well. We were good at reading the game 
and we just we were just we were spectacular. That's awesome, Mum. That's <laughs> but we awesome. Also, but we all but you think about it. Weren't we selfish with the ball? Okay, so we've got three sisters here. They all know what each other think. They all know playing in positions. They don't need anyone else. It was like, yeah. That's all right. That was a bit bit egocentric. That's all right. If you're good, you're good. um, Yeah. Now tell me, Mum, did you do athletics? Was there athletics at the school? Like did you do sprints and shot put? I was never a runner. Running was not my thing. I am a useless runner. You're very lucky that your father came from a line of runners. Otherwise, none of you could probably run at all. I was an absolutely useless runner. I used to, but I was cunning too. I used to make sure in the school sports, I ran with all the slow ones. Mm. Mm. So I was always in the middle of all the slow ones. I wasn't silly. I wasn't going to run with the real runners Mm. and be shamed. (laughs) (laughs) I ran with the slower ones. We all all got together and said, let's just run together because we're never going to win anything. But my skill was the shot put and discus. Mm. I ended up later on, which I'll talk about in another one, being the Southland Otago shot put champion. Mm. And that's like the champion of in America would be two states. Wow. Like champion. And my record at girls' high at my high school still stands. Wow. Still stands. The only person ever to come close to it was Sarah, your sister. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, Yuki just went in and track and did discus and came second in the city, Mum. That's great because I I did discus and shot. And until I decided it wasn't ladylike... I, would, I could have been really good, Shoot. but then one day I decided it wasn't ladylike and just quit. Should have been Olympian, Mum. Yeah, should have been. But anyway, I'm not sure. I'm sure there are other stories that I have to tell you, Melissa. But those are the ones that those are all the ones that can stick out in my head that come to mind. How we ever survived childhood. I have no clue, Melissa. I have. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that a miracle that. We were born. It was a miracle that we survived. Yes. It's a miracle that all of us um, survived into uh, still surviving. It's a miracle that we're not continually sick from all the germs we were exposed to mm. when we were young. Mm. I think that what it made us with a lot of common sense, it made us rely on our wits, it made us problem solve, it made us resilient, it made us... You see, I'm, what I'm trying to regain now, Melissa, is living in the now because there's not much of my, you know, I'm old now, so I've got to start thinking about that one day I'll be dead, you know. But I think we lived in the now. We we didn't worry about the past and what have you. We just lived for the moment. And I think I had a wonderful childhood, you know. It was hard and it was tough and, and Dad could be mean at times and, and what have you. But I just... I just have really fond memories of it, except being cold. Yeah. I just have fond memories of us. I don't remember us being poor, and yet on, on today's standards, we were poverty. Completely poor. But I don't. Yeah, but I don't remember that. Yeah. I remember food. us having. We had food to eat. We we clothes. all were good cooks. We had clothes, shoes. I can remember my mum had mended my boys' trou- my brother's trousers so much that I'm sure that if you stood them, they would stand up by themselves. They were so stiff with um, patches on the leg, mending. Mm. Nothing was ever thrown out. Everything was made do. I, and all and I of you, me- all your siblings are alive apart from Margaret, 
But that wasn't a health that wasn't a health yeah. thing. Yeah. That was a freak yeah. accident. That's right. Everyone's but alive and well. Yeah. I, did I tell you that Dad was a chain smoker? He used to light a cigarette from the end of the one he had in his mouth, and consequently, I hate it. Mm. Always hated it. Mm. Even when everybody did it, I always hated it. Mm. I just found it a was he colossal. A, was he a smoker from a teenager, Mum? Yeah, he started smoking when he was about three or four, I think, or five. He started smoking very early. Gosh, I'm surprised and he lasted as long as he did. Well, he quit it when he was in his 50s. <laughs> That's still roughly 50 um, years of smoking. <laughs> yeah, and chain smoking at that. Yeah. Well. But, but mum didn't. Mum, I just, I just remember us being busy and reasonably happy and, yeah, I think I had a great childhood. That's good, Mum. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for sharing the Susan Trenor 0 to 12. <laughs> so really we're part one. When I asked Mum to do this, she's like, listen, Melissa, I'm really excited. I've got uh, lots of stories to tell. I'm going to break it up so you can interview me once a year or whatever you want to do. But I'm going to do 0 to 12. That's what I'm going to do. And then next time we'll go. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. I think that's great. You have a lot of stories, and it was good to hone in and focus on these ones, and it worked out great, Mum. Mm. Otherwise, your listeners would be there for five hours, and what the heck? What's up with that? Yeah. Life has to go on. Yeah, no, no, this is awesome. We'll come, we'll circle back around when I'm desperate, right? <laughs> when you're desperate, yeah. and you need to rely on nepotism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, this is awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Mum. That was really good. A lot of stuff I didn't know. I'm, I appreciate doing this. This will be, if nothing else, this will be good for your grandkids to have this recorded and to have it down for your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your great-great-grandkids can come and listen to what their grandmother's childhoods were like. They're going to love it. My kids are going to love it. Llewellyn's kids, Bevan's kids. I love my listeners, but at the end of the day, if no one listens apart from the grandkids, they're going to love it, Mum, to have this recorded. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's why I do it, so that we can have like ordinary people's stories which are extraordinary, recorded, and I love it. That's why I do it, and you're one of those people. This is going to be great. Thanks, Melissa. Watch this space <laughs> for you. part two, 12, 13 to part 18. Be, yeah, 12 to married. 12 to married. Look out. Be on the lookout. 12 to married. I like yep. it. Thanks, Mum. Okay. Love Talk you. to you later. Love well, didn't I tell you it's going to be awesome, eh? What do you think? Wasn't that so cool? I loved it. I learned so much. Wasn't that crazy? What was your favourite thing? There were so many shocking things that she revealed about their childhood. What was your favourite? I don't know if it was the toilets they went to and putting it back in the garden or the eels and that eel that she talked about with the horns. What the hell was that about? And then her, you know, the bath. Like, imagine being the last brother getting in that bath. Crazy, right? Just, and they were all healthy and great. You know what I mean? What was your favorite? Tell me. I'm excited to be able to have introduced my mum to you. Thanks for listening. I appreciate the support. Uh, my mum's pretty great. And I'm glad you were able to listen to 0 to 12 of my mum's life. Isn't that so cool? 
such a great episode. Anyway, it's me next time. And so I don't know if you're going to look forward to that or not, but that's what it is. I appreciate you being here and listening to my mum's story and all of my stories, actually. Can you believe that we're up to episode 30? This is episode 30. Crazy, right? Love it. Love it. All right. Well, until next time, ka kite ano, aue koutou.